We uh, have just been dipping into the book of uh, Joshua and and the the person of Joshua uh, in different ways, particularly as we come uh, out of COVID more and more, bit by bit, uh, and uh, we're just figuring out, having perhaps been in the wilderness, not thankfully for 40 years, but uh, it has been a really challenging time for so many What does it mean to stir ourselves and to get ready and to cross over and to move again into what God has for us and the purposes that he has for us? And we're just digging into that and looking at different themes around that in different ways. Well, today uh, I want us to read uh, just the end of Joshua chapter 5 and then into chapter 6, possibly one of the most famous stories in the Bible, Uh, but uh, just particularly want to pick up a particular thread that I feel God's been speaking to me about this week in this. So uh, Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? I'm told that actually the original reply was no. Or you could say neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. Joshua did so. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because the Israelites... No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, make all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, Advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord's. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had not commanded the people, do not give, uh, Joshua had commanded the people, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the people returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them. The rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, 
They got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all those who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies that we sent. Keep away from the devoted things. Those were the things that they were worshipping in that city. So that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold, the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go to his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. Every man charged straight in and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord, destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Lord, we thank you for your words. It has a power and an authority that we stand in awe of. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the spirit of truth and that you lead us into truth. We pray now your truth to bring revelation to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a big and famous story. There's lots and lots of different things that we could look at. Um, but the question I want to ask today, sorry Patrick, did you want to say something? Right. Wonderful. Well done. Oh, that's a testimony of faith. Thank you, Patrick. So it is a, a big story. It's a challenging story. And there's so many, so many things that you could draw out of it. You could, you could pull out so many different elements. But I've had this phrase living with me all week. And this is what I want to bring to you today. Whose battle is it? Whose battle is it? And then in the prayer meeting this morning, so I'm pointing over there because that's where I was sitting, uh, I just felt this phrase come to my mind and I've written it on the pieces of paper I've got in front of me today. Have you got the size right? Have you got the size right? In fact, I felt God say to me, have you got my size right? Have you got my size right? So just hold those phrases. Whose battle is it? Have you got my size right? Here are the Israelites on the brink of breakthrough, of God giving them everything that he had been promising them for years. But at the same time, there is these huge fortified cities that they're facing. Here's Jericho. Next one is Ai and so on. And they're needing to be taken. God has said, enter the land and take these cities. Now, where we start in this story, chapter 5 and verse 13 today, it says, Joshua was near Jericho. 
And I just sort of sat in my chair earlier in the week as I was reflecting on this, and I thought, I wonder what he was doing. What was he doing? We don't know exactly, but I think it's quite likely he's looking. He's up on a hillside. He's looking down on Jericho, and he's trying to figure out, how are we going to take this city? He's sizing it all up. How many leaders am I going to need? How many battering rams? How many soldiers? What sort of weapons? It says Joshua was near Jericho. What was he doing there? I think probably sizing it up. While he's going through these motions, as he's thinking this through, he looks up and there's a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword. Understandably, Joshua needs to find out who, who he is and what he wants. Are you one of our... I mean, don't forget, there's thousands and thousands of them, so he doesn't recognize all his soldiers. So he says, are you one of our soldiers? Or are you one of theirs? If you're one of theirs, you're very brave, you know. Are you one of ours or are you one of theirs? And the answer comes, no. No. As the commander of the Lord, I have now come. The commander of the Lord, I have come. I want you to notice what happens next. Instantly, instantly, Joshua fell face down with, uh, uh, in worship. Fell with his face to the ground in worship. And also asks for instruction. What message does my Lord have for his servant? Come to this in a second. But whoever you think this is... Joshua instantly recognized the power and the presence of God at work. You remember, Joshua had been at Moses' side for many years. He's the one who said of him in Exodus chapter 33, verse 10. It's one of my favorite verses, Exodus 33, verse 10. But just listen. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud, you remember they had a pillar of cloud to follow and a pillar of fire. Whenever they saw it standing at the entrance to the tent of meeting, that's where Moses would meet with God, they would stand and worship each at the entrance of their own tent. Verse 11 The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. Do you imagine that? Moses in the tent of meeting with God, speaking with God face to face as one who speaks with a friend. Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. My old My old authorized version in my head, he stayed in the presence. He stayed in the presence. Moses is there. Moses is before God. But he's got this young assistant who's with him everywhere. Moses goes back to the camp, goes about the business of the people, the business of God. Joshua stayed in the presence. The more time you spend with God and his word... The more time you spend with the Lord Jesus, the more you are open to and willing to be led by the Holy Spirit, the quicker it will be to see and hear and recognize his voice, his hand, his will and his ways. The the swiftest answer to any pastoral question, what should I do in this circumstance? Look to Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Open the Bible. Read the Bible. Yes, we want to give wisdom to one another. 
But the more time we spend with him, the more time we are open to the work of the Spirit in our lives, the more time we open the Word of God, the quicker it will be to fall on our faces and recognize in the, in the face of Jericho, the power of God is present, and that's what I need to draw on. That's what I need to draw on. The quicker we will recognize also that so often his ways are not our ways. More than ever, I believe we are living in days when we need to recognize the power and the presence and the hand of God at work. We need it, I believe, more than we've ever needed it to recognize where God is at work. What's he doing? Where's his spirit at work in these days. Joshua instantly knew that he was in the presence of a holy power. Now many scholars, writers, believe that actually this is an example of what is sometimes referred to as a Christophany. A Christophany. The Lord Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. There are other words for it. There are other scriptures that you can go to. But the Lord Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. I myself am certainly happy with that, and I'm, I'm happy that this potentially is one of those moments. Because sometimes when it's angels, angel, they tend to be called angels. But this time it's the captain of the Lord of hosts. But whatever your conclusion as to who this is, it's a holy moment. It caused Joshua to fall on his face in worship before this great commander, submitting to his power and inviting his wisdom and his direction. I believe that that same invitation, that same encounter is open to us today. Many of us will have Jerichos in front of us. It's going to vary a lot from person to person, I'm sure. But there will be those large, those imposing challenges, which on the surface, at least, look tightly locked up, to quote Jericho. Impenetrable. You may be thinking of some of those things right now. Maybe that Jericho for you is related to something very personal in your own personal life. A weakness related to your temperament your character, something you know that you're aware of, you battle with. We might even refer to them sometimes as life-controlling issues. Maybe sickness. Whatever it is, it's potentially very personal. It may be for some of us that your Jericho is in your life is something outside of yourself, perhaps seemingly impossible, in your immediate home life, maybe in your wider family situation. Perhaps it's in the workplace. It's to do with your finances. Maybe it's unfulfilled dreams, ambitions in God that are seemingly locked up. Whatever it may be, there seems to be this Jericho that constantly standing between you and seeing breakthrough whatever the situation that you're living with. And your cry, as it were, whether internally or as you look out externally, is how is this city going to be overcome? 
How is this city going to be overcome? The question I want to ask you today is twofold. Whose battle is it? And have you got his size right? Where are we looking for our power? Where are we looking for our wisdom? Where are we looking for our deliverance? Who are we depending on? We can look at the challenges that are before us. We can itemize the resources that we have, whether emotional or physical. We can even look at past experience, things that we've done, lessons that we've learned. And the question comes, do we have what it takes? I I just picture Joshua up on a hillside looking, looking at Jericho. Do we have what it takes? This thing looks locked up. It looks impenetrable. Get my teeth in. How how am I going to overcome? How am I going to overcome? There will be different things for different ones of us we're living with right now. How do we overcome? I know in my own experience through life, so often it's not until I get to the place where I say, I can't do this. You know that one? I can't do this. I put my hands up. It's then, it's in that moment, God steps in. God steps in, says, now, let me, let me. But the thing that goes hand in hand with that is faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Because I can have my plans, and God says, "Mm, yeah, maybe, perhaps, they might work. But do you want to know my plans? Because they are quite different. So there's faith and obedience. Before us today stands the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who died for us. The one who shed his own blood for us. The one who's triumphed over sin and over death. When he rose again from the dead. Hallelujah. As God was present with them through this Ark of the Covenant. That's this picture, this symbolic picture. But the presence of God. Keep your eyes. We've been talking about this, haven't you? Fix your eyes on the Ark. Every significant moment. They're crossing over. They're walking over. They're stepping in. What's there in the midst? The Ark. The Ark. The Ark. The presence of God. God was present with them in the Ark of the Covenant. Today, now, He is even more actively and effectively present in us and with us through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He rose again from the dead. He is with us and He has poured out the promised Holy Spirit who is at work in us. We don't often talk about it, but... Yes, they had the presence of God, but there was this coming and going. But we now have the permanent presence of the Spirit, the presence of Jesus in us daily. And He will lead us into all the blessings that He has for us, that He has in store for us. He will lead us. But there is this walk of faith and obedience. Whose battle is it? Friends, it's divine power, divine power, not human might, that provides victory for God's people. 
Please hear that. It is divine power, not human might, that brings victory for God's people. I thank God for wisdom in the world. I thank God for science. Believe that science is given to us by God. But it's by God. It's from God. He's given us the wisdom to understand. He's given us the grace. And that's why we pray. That's why we ask him to lead us and to guide us. Not least of which because his ways are not often our ways. So we need him to lead us and to guide us. Zechariah 4 verse 6. The people of God in Zechariah have got huge battles, huge challenges in terms of what God is asking them to do. And they're, they're facing it and they're thinking, how on earth can we do this? And the famous verse comes. What does it say? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In fact, says the Lord Almighty. The Lord Almighty. Whose battle is it? Have I got the size right? Have I got his size right? The walls of Jericho fell because of the obedient walking, the sound of the trumpets and the great shout, not through Israel's military might. In modern terms, we would say this, not a shot was fired. Are you for us or for our enemies? Are you one of our soldiers or one of their soldiers? No. The commander of the Lord, army of the Lord Almighty, I have come. The battle is the Lord's, not theirs. And the victory is the Lord's. Not theirs. He's the one who gets the glory. Amen? He's the one who gets. He's worthy of all glory and all honor. We pray. Let's never forget to give thanks in answer to prayer. Let's never forget to be like that one leper who came back and gave thanks. Testimony is important. Human defenses cannot stand before God's power. Note the declaration of God beforehand. I I just underline this. I underline lots of things in my Bible. It looks a bit chaotic at times. But in chapter 6, verse 2, do you notice that? I have. I have delivered. This is before it's happened. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. It's already done in the heavenlies. But will you walk in faith and obedience? This is what I want you to do. You want us to do what? (laughs) I have done it. Now, will you trust me? Will you trust me? People had to take hold of it by faith and obedience. It was most certainly not the normal ways of doing things. Hebrews 11 verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Here's a key. One word. So often it's one word. After the army marched round for seven days. Hebrews 11.30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they did what God commanded them to do. It's an act of faith. It's a stepping out. You ever imagine what it was like in one of these family homes, family tents? 
What are you doing today, Dad? Going for a walk around Jericho. Have you got your sword? Yes, it says they were to take their swords. Have you got your sword? Yeah. Will you be using it? No. How are you going to take the city? Well, Joshua says that God has told him we're to walk around in silence. Did you walk around Jericho today, Dad? Yeah, I did. What did you do? Nothing. The trumpets. I listened to the trumpets. I looked at the ark. I saw some interesting hand signals coming over the walls. I heard some interesting jeers and shouts. Why are you crazy Israelites? This is the dumbed down version, by the way. What are you doing walking around next day? What are you going to do today, Dad? Going to walk around Jericho. You're going to take your sword? Yes. You're going to use it? No. Sometimes God asks us to do some unusual things. Six days. And then the seventh day, getting up really early and doing all of that that they did. Isaiah 55, verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As higher as the heavens are than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. What is faith? It is believing and trusting in God and acting out of that belief and faith. It's not just saying, I believe. It affects my walk. It affects my marriage, my family, my children, my money, my work. I believe, therefore, I walk differently to the world. The world will look on at times and say, what are you doing? You give how much every month to the church? Why on earth would you do that? Because I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. Then all these other things will be added to me as well. You believe God has said to sell your house and take your children and move to where? One of the poorest cities in the UK. Why would you do that? Because I'm believing in a nation and a land and a kingdom that is beyond this place. I'm believing in the kingdom and the purposes of God. That God is taking me to the poorest of the poor. You look at our dear friend Donna. Talk about um, sacrifice. Hannah was talking wonderfully there about sacrifice. Donna was engaged to be married. It's her story to tell, but there's, there's a whole story there. She knew that God spoke to her about giving herself to him in order that he, he might work his purposes in her life. And there she is now in her, in her 50s and all that God is doing this week and today there in Burundi. And the world looks on and you say, what on earth? Why, why would you do that? 
my ways and not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. But if you will walk by faith and obedience, you will see Jericho come down. You will see it. What if God asks you to do the unexpected? Different to what you had planned. Been there, myself, Jackie and I, been there. That wasn't quite in the plan. <laughs> even something that first you, you don't even really want to do. Have you been there? Oh, no, I, you know, Lord, you don't ask anything but not that. <laughs> I remember as a young boy, I think I've said to you before, I used to pray, Lord, I'll go anywhere for you, but I don't want to go to Africa. Um, I had this strange thing about Africa. And it was like, do you know, I, I think I've been to Africa 15 or 20 times. <laughs> but uh, what if God asks you to do something you don't want to do? How do you respond? Just uh, very quickly reminded of the story of Naaman. Remember the story of Naaman? 2 Kings chapter 5. And you're going, Mark, oh, I'm not sure. Remind me. He's the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He's a mighty soldier and he has leprosy. Do you remember the story? And a little servant girl who's a believer in Lord God Almighty, um, she believed in the one true God, she told him he should go to Elisha the prophet. So he goes with great pomp and ceremony. It's a wonderful story in 2 Kings 5. He takes loads of money and loads of clothes and chariots and all sorts of gear. And he arrives and he he, he arrives with great pomp outside Elisha's house and expects that Elisha will come out, call on God Almighty and wave his hand and there'll be great drama and and the infection will sort of disappear in, in that sense. Instead, Elisha doesn't even come out, does he? Sends his servant out. Um, And he tells him to go and dip seven times in the Jordan River. And it says Naaman was not impressed. In fact, it says he goes off in a rage. Modern parlance, he threw his toys out of the pram. Big time. He was very, very cross. I thought he would come and do all of this. And and even if I have got a dip in a river, can't he pick a really nice, sweet-smelling one, you know? A very brave, very brave servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? To his credit, Naaman went, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, just as Elisha had told him, and it says his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. What is God asking you to do? What's he asking us to do as a church? What's he asking you to do individually? It'll be different things for different ones of us. A couple of quick lessons as we, literally as we finish, and I'd like us to respond. Uh, Abby and the team are going to lead us in a worship song as well in a moment. Faith. Our faith will be tested. Will be tested. Thirteen times they walk round the city. No real explanation for most of them. Joshua knew, maybe some of the captains knew. By faith. It's tested, but we walk by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 8, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, what does it say? Obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. He stepped out. And he began to walk. God had spoken, that was enough. He began to walk. Faith will be tested. 
You get strengthened by spending time with Jesus. You get strengthened by opening the Bible. It gets strengthened by spending time with brothers and sisters by the family of God. But it's still, each one of us have to take those steps. Each one of us have to walk. If God speaks, do we recognize his voice? Are we close enough to recognize the presence, the work, the hand of God and respond? And respond. The ark was central to this story. Even though they didn't know what God was doing, he was with them. Verse 11, I always think, is a very interesting verse. It says, the ark encircled the entire city. It was the ark. The presence of God is being taken around this situation. When we look at our Jerichos, whatever they might be that you've been thinking about, we bring it to the presence of God. The ark encircled the entire city. Have you allowed God to encircle your Jericho? One of the biggest challenges for us is to get to the place where we admit that the whole thing is too big for us. That if our Jericho is to fall, then it's God who's going to bring it about. It's also the test of silence. It's wonderful. In fact, it's vital to have Christian friends stand with us, pray with us, support us. But it's also vital for us to come to the point of realization where our eyes, our trust, our dependence must be on Christ and Christ alone. Because the truth is, we won't always have a friend. Or our friend uh, or colleague, whatever, may let us down. Jesus will never let us down. He will never fail us. My wisdom and my abilities and the wisdom and abilities of others, however great they may be at times, is limited at best. It's limited at best. So I walk with my eyes fixed on him, waiting for his timing. Can I invite you to stand? Abby, are you happy to lead us? Somebody will have a baby, I'm sure. Oh, Ashley's going to have the baby. Good. Let's stand together. In a moment, they're going to sing this uh, beautiful song of blessing that just speaks this truth over us. Maybe just invite you to, uh, if you'd like, to just close your eyes in the presence of God. If that helps you, don't have to. You may even want to just hold out hands if that helps you. Let me just lead us in this moment. Whose battle is it? Had you forgotten, it's his battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's his. His power will bring about deliverance and he will get the glory. Where are we looking for our power, our wisdom, our deliverance? We look to the world? No, it's dying. It's failing. We look, we look to politics. We look, we look in lots of places and we say, no, where is our hope? Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's where I'm looking. Now, that's an act of faith. Some will look on and they'll laugh and they'll say, that's foolish. But I have seen him. 
and I continue to believe that I will see him. So I fix my eyes on Jesus. Whose battle is it? Have you got the size right? Maybe even today you need to just quietly say to the Lord, Lord, forgive me. I've made you too small in my eyes. I've looked at my Jericho or my Jerichos, whatever it might be, and I just say, I don't know how this is going to happen, and I've tried, and I've put my efforts and my money and my... Lord, I come to you. Would you resize in my mind today? Refresh my understanding of your greatness, of your glory, of your power. Reality is we do live in a life and a world of great challenge. Many of us will be facing challenges. I want to remind you as we finish and as these guys sing this amazing blessing over us. As you stand and you look at your Jericho right now, Jesus said this, John 16 verse 33. He's speaking in the context of peace. He says this, in this world you will have trouble. And you think, oh great, even Jesus says we're going to have trouble. We need to remember the other half of the verse. Take heed, I have overcome the world. I have overcome. So even if we don't see Jericho's falling immediately, even if we live with tension and battles and struggles, we fix our eyes on the captain of the Lord of hosts who says, I have already overcome. You have a place already kept for you in heaven uh, that will not perish and will not fade. And so I fix my eyes on him and I walk by faith. Even in the unusualness, even in the challenges, even in the strangeness, even when the world looks on and mocks, I will walk by faith. I will walk by faith. Fixing my eyes on Jesus. Lord, help us today. Just let this blessing soak you, drench you, and know that the Lord is with you and he is for you. He has overcome and he will overcome. Keep looking to him. Keep holding on to him. Keep your eyes fixed on him.